Virtual Summit The Core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Dayton Schrader and Jay Fletch. Today's topic, generating and converting more leads for realtors. All right. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is Dayton Schrader in San Antonio, Texas. I'm one of the senior real estate coaches for The Core. And I am so proud to be uh, helping in this class with Jay Fletch, one of our other real estate coaches. Thrilled to have Jay in our program. He's been a fantastic student and even a better coach. He gets phenomenal scores from his students. He's built a great practice. And one of the things I admire the most about Jay is he's also a single parent to a beautiful young lady. And he is very engaged in the time that he spends with her. So he's got great life uh, life balance. Uh, very active and involved in her life and the time that he spends with her, very committed to her. So it's a great example for a lot of us as parents. And so, Jay, uh, I'm thrilled to have you as a uh, co-teaching with you here. And uh, and if this is not the essence of the core, adapting and overcoming in circumstances like this, so to put on a virtual summit in probably less than 30 days or so from when we had to call off the, the real summit to do this one is just an extraordinary effort, heroic effort on the part of Rick and Britt and the staff at the core, Kendra, and everybody else that's pulled together and pulled this off. And so far, it's been a fantastic experience. Feedback's been great. We're thrilled to have this many people participating in this class and just delighted to spend some time with you this afternoon. And thank you very much for coming on this journey with us. I'm really, really grateful and very flattered. So, uh, Jay and I are going to talk to you about lead generation and lead conversion. That's one of the biggest struggles for most of our coaching students. Some of the times it's team building, sometimes it's something else, but right now we're going to concentrate on lead gen and lead conversion. So first I want to introduce Jay and let him tell you a little bit about him, his story, his numbers, give you a little background on that if you're not familiar with him, and then we'll go from there. So Jay? Yeah, Dayton, um, it's an honor. I think there's points in my core journey that are surreal, and uh, today is one of them, not only because of how we're coaching today and how we had to change, but I've always wanted to coach a class with you. Um, if it wasn't for Dayton, I wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for Dayton, I wouldn't have attended my first summit. It was a lender, Andy Burton, that got me on the phone with Dayton, and it was Dayton that was the one that uh, told me about the summit. And it, he proceeded to tell me it was sold out after he uh, after I told him I'd show up, and it was two weeks away, and I showed up anyway. So it's uh, it's been a journey. I remember San Antonio five years ago, being my my fifth. So San Antonio five years ago, um, when we see the the graduates, the two and the five year here in another hour, I, I remember looking at that going. I just got to make it two years because I, I saw the growth that the two-year graduates had. I told myself, I just got to make it two years. And then I saw the growth that the five years had, and I'm like, wow, I just got to make it five years. So uh, my success in the core has been really simple. It's just been, it's been get started, go to work, never quit. It's been that simple. Get started, go to work, never quit. Uh, the plan is already put into place. You just got to do the work. I saw the core five years ago. Five years ago, I was doing about 80 units by myself. I was putting in over 100 hours a week, and I was somewhere between 15 to 17 million. Last year, we did uh, just over 225 units, uh, nearly 65 million, and um, I still put in a lot of hours. Uh, balanced life for me. 
but I still put in a lot of hours. But that's that's been my journey. And uh, one of the things teaching with Dayton is the lead generation. A lot of my a lot of my lead generation tactics and some of my best success has come off Dayton. Dayton, about about how much your business is warm. Uh, and last year we we helped over 500 families buy and sell almost 600 houses, and 88% of that is referred to me. Uh, I'm not a boomtown Tiger lead. Zillow guy, I can't stand that stuff. Uh, we're a referral-based business. We get a few sign calls and internet hits organically off our listing inventory, but the rest of it is database, uh, referral partners, industry, and non-industry professionals. So I work that constituency really, really hard, a couple of alumni associations and things like that, but I don't like talking to strangers. I'm not warm and fuzzy. I'm not a personable guy. I'm not Bill Puma. I don't have his charisma or charm. Rick reminds me of that all the time. So I'm just a systems process guy, uh, and and so I just show up and do the work, and I've been at this now. This is my 38th year in the business, my 20th year with the core. I went to the very first summit uh, over 20 years ago. So I've been a charter charter member. Uh, I've been a student for as long as I can remember. Uh, had the honor of being a coach for the last, I don't know, 12, 14 years, and it took me a long time to become a coach. Jay went through two years of, of coaching really shined as a student, held his hand up, the opportunity presented itself, and he earned a spot on the team as a coach. And there are not many people that do it that fast. And so, bless you, Lisa. Good to see you. Uh, and the San Antonio allergies, right? Uh, and so anyway, it's, uh, it's, uh, great to have, uh, great to have you in the program, Jay. And so let's talk a little bit about lead generation. And then uh, I'm going to talk about a little about lead generation. And then Jay's going to help us out on lead conversion. And I appreciate all the kind words in the chat box. Would love to answer some questions for you too. So in the bottom, if you'll pull up your chat, if you want to throw a question at Jay or I, we'd love to make this as interactive as possible. So my, I guess my first question is, when in the core we talk about a referral-based business, and we all want to work on our database. So first and foremost, our pro forma for the database is 400 people that you mail to every month. And I and we've talked about this a little bit earlier in the general session with Phil Puma about. Uh, letter of the heart, evidence of success. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. What I really want to talk to you about is the VIPs and the referral partners. I think that's where we really get the big growth in our business. So by a show of hands, if you would, please, how many people have somebody in their stable that sends them one to two deals a year, consistently every year? Good for you. Who has five or more people that send them business consistently every year? Jay does, a few of you, Lisa. Nick Lynn, good to see you, Nick, and a few others. Great. All right, so my good fortune, my blessing, if you will, is I've got about 150 people that send me two or three deals a year. That's the only difference. That's the only way I can do what I do. So uh, I'm just a little bit ahead of you on the curve is all it, is all that boils down to. But I, my, my, my challenge to you is if you can get one or two people to send you a couple of deals a year, you can get three to five. If you go three to five, you can get to 10. If you get 10, if you get to 20, and so on and so on. And so for the last 10, 15 years of my business, I've been building out that referral network of industry and non-industry referral partners that will send me two or three deals a year. And they come and they go, and sometimes they transfer their affections. Sometimes we mess up a deal. We absolutely wrap it around the axle. Don't do a good job. Don't communicate effectively. Let them down, disappoint them. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So I've got to continue to prospect, continue to replenish that 
that population, if you will, and continue to grow it. For the first 25 years of my life, I lived off of phone calls, phone duties, sign calls, and things like that. And then I started working on my database. When I got involved in by referral only back in 1995, that just was like the angels were singing and the light went on above my head. I got it. Uh, a database-driven business, a referral-based business, and I was all in on that. And I ran, I ran that for as long as I could. And that's where I met Rick was through by referral only. He opened up the core. I jumped on that bandwagon and have been with him ever since. And as I got older, I've, I've made this great transition from uh, all my friends getting married, having babies, uh, getting divorced, getting remarried, getting reloaded in and out of San Antonio. I rode that horse for 25 years and did really well on that. But now in my late fifties, all my friends are empty nesters. They're not moving at the same velocity that they did for the last 25 years. They've got one deal left in them. They're going to go to a garden home or a retirement community or maybe move to the coast or something like that. But they're not going to keep moving every five to seven years. And I could see that start to unfold in front of me. And, and so I really wanted to work on those referral partners. So I really concentrated on those, those like I said, those industry and non-industry referral partners and chasing those down, cultivating that relationship with them. A lot of things that Phil Puma talked about earlier today are the very same things that we do. Kendra does them with her VIPs, Jay, and the rest of us all to subscribe to this process of finding that need, filling that need, asking the referral, positioning ourselves as the go-to vendor, uh, the go-to subcontractor for those people. So we've been working that really hard. And, it, and I will tell you, for most of you, if, if you thought about it, if you woke up on January 1st or any day you want, and you had 20 people in your stable that had the capacity to refer you two or three deals a year and were committed to doing that, what would that do to your business? How impactful would that be to growing your business, and what would that do to your bottom line? And I'll, I'll submit to you right now, you probably know half those people. You're already in relationship with them. You've just never had that really big conversation with them about making sure that you're the number one person positioned to be their go-to. If mom or dad needed to sell a house, the kids wanted to buy a house, are you the number one person that they would call? Are you number one on their Rolodex to, to be a resource for them? Have you positioned yourself correctly to do that? If you do that, if you work that constituency really hard, you will get a ton of business out of that group. And once you start getting that thing rolling, you get good at those conversations, get good at vetting those people, uh, making sure that they really are going to refer you and not just say, yeah, sure, I owe you a deal one of these days, maybe. If you, if you get past that point, you're off to the races and you can generate a ton of business. And in all, oh, I talk, I'm sorry, Jay, go ahead. Yeah, Dayton was, Dayton was one of my very first coaches. And I think, uh, like B asked the question, well, can you cover how you get whale builders? Well, it doesn't matter if it's a builder, a CPA, an attorney. Um, tactically, what Dale told me, what, what Dayton told me in the beginning, it, it did revolve around builders. He told me make a list of builders that I wanted to work with, had the same integrity, built quality homes, was not known. So he made me, he had me make a list of people that I wanted to work with as far as builders. And that's, that's how I went, first started really kind of putting together a list of people. And then I've just taken that with just about every industry. I typically like to start off with a list of a hundred names. 
that I want to, I want to be in relationship with. And then I start reaching out to them on a regular basis. Some of them weed them off because they don't call me back. Some of them weed them off because they don't have the same integrity. But Dayton, what was the process that you went through when you started developing these VIPs? Like, how did you start it? I mean, you got 150. I send you a couple people a year now. Um, how did you start it? Like going back to when you first did it. I, I caught a, I caught a couple of breaks. People were nice to me when I was a nobody in this business. And I've had this kind of Forrest Gump career, right place, right time, made a lot of mistakes, but none of them too catastrophic or none of them fatal. But, uh, I had a gentleman that was a colleague down the hall from me. He was getting ready to retire, ran a really, had a really good practice. And I approached him when I learned he was retiring. I said, Hey, you know, can I, can I find a way to buy out some of your business? And he said, oh, no. He said, you don't need to buy anything. He said, I'll take you and I'll introduce you to this builder. So he takes me to the sales meeting and says, guys, I'm getting ready to retire. Dayton's your new guy. He'll take care of you. And I thought, holy smokes, I got a tiger by the tail. I had no idea what I was doing. But he spent a little bit of time with me. And basically, I got that that warm, really great endorsement introduction. And I knew I couldn't blow it. So I busted my tail for that particular builder. And then they had some turnover, and one guy went one way, and one guy went another, and I chased them down and got them with their new builder, and so on and so on. And I and and that one introduction has turned into a a, a really lucrative um, series of relationships that have been just overwhelming, and I've just been blessed beyond my wildest dreams with that. And early on, what I would do is I would go see the on-site reps and and take them little lunch bags. I would go to to um, a Walmart and buy your little brown uh, lunch bags that you send your kids to school and lunch with and write a little note on there and fill them full of Capri Suns and things that wouldn't melt, snacks and things like that, peanuts and, and peanut butter crackers and so on, and sprinkle those around a staple of business card to it and go call on on-site reps. This is pre-internet days, pre-text days, pre-email days, and so on. And I would sprinkle those all over San Antonio with different on-site reps an opportunity to earn their business or at least get a conversation with them. And that just kind of grew and grew and grew until we've got this, this big machine right now, but it's been that. And then on the non-industry professionals, we went after CPAs and financial planners and I got involved in, in that organization several years ago. And I was only realtor in the room and I've got a ton of those guys that send me business and I match up really well with their constituency. If you imagine most uh, financial planners are late 50s, early 60s. Uh, their constituency is uh, nice, chubby, old, white people like me. And so I match up really well with them, and they send me a ton of business. I do really well with little old ladies and, uh, and, 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 and do, good, uh, do really well in that business. So I get a ton of business from those guys as well. But I've been showing up at those luncheons and working with those guys now for close to 10 years. So it doesn't happen overnight. It is a process, but you got to stick with it and get involved in it. You got to give back to that community first. Uh, donate your time, uh, invest in them, pour into them, and it'll pay off in the long run. And, and me, what I do is, um, if you'll see like page, I think it's 31, page 30. I know some of the people on the call that I've coached, they've seen some of my lists. I'm an Excel spreadsheet guy, but I handwrite everything. I like making a list of 100 names on an Excel spreadsheet of an industry or whales I'm going after or target people. 
and then I like putting at the top 52 touches, and I try to do one touch a week while I'm going after somebody. There's 52 weeks in a year, and after 52 touches, after one year, I'm telling you, if I don't have a relationship, they're not on my list next year. And to me, it's just like it's like grabbing two decks of cards. I, I knew this. I knew this before coming into the court, but I didn't practice it until Rick really kind of hammered it. Then two decks of cards, if I combine them together, I basically got 104 cards. I know there's going to be eight aces in there. And like Dayton said, whether you have one person that sends you two deals or whether you have one person that sends you four deals, it's just a matter of time and effort before you get 150 of them. Most of us will quit long before we get 150 people send us two deals. So to me, it was just like grabbing two decks of cards. That's why I like making a list of 100 people because it gives me statistics when I'm done. And I'm literally just flipping cards. Oh, two. Oh, six. Oh, an eight. Oh, boom, there's an ace. And the way I figured it in my mind, if I had 52 deck, if I had 52 cards, I know there's going to be four aces in there. And if it meant I had to flip 48 of them before I found four aces, I was willing to flip 48 of them before I found the four aces. But I find a guy like, like Dayton Schrader, or I find like a builder I'm working with now. The, my, my number one referral source last year sent me 16 listings and sent me, um, 31 leads that 50% of them were converted. That was a builder that Dayton told me to go after after he made me make a list of the builders I wanted to work for. And I realized at the time I was working with seven different builders. And when I, when after having Dayton as my coach, I actually narrowed that down to one and I went after that builder for three years and it turned into, it turned into that. But I mean, my whole philosophy, like I'm always looking for the next lead generation. That's going to get me a bunch of leads. And you know what I realized the next shiny thing is just doing the basics. Like in this isolation marketing, I called my entire database twice. That was more impactful than any other lead generation system I could have put inside. And to me, it's just basically some will, some won't, so what, so who's next? So I got a little plaque up in my office that says SWSWSWSW. And it just tells me some will, some won't, so who's next? And, and that's kind of my philosophy on it. And that's how I built my my VIPs based on that philosophy. I think the, I think the deck of cards is a great visual and a, a great tactic and a great visual to sit there. And anyway, and I've had some of my coaching students do it too when they're struggling with their with their calls, especially during the isolation marketing that we've been doing. Is that's that's the trick? Just put down a deck of cards and just keep turning them over. And leave either a great message or you talk to somebody. And when you've gone through that deck of cards, you've had a fantastic day. You've been really impactful. You've really done well. And you're going to be fine. You can go back and chase the kids, have fun, do whatever else you've got to do right now. But that's a great way to get through a day is just turning over an entire deck of cards, depending on how locked down you are in your market. Uh, one of the questions that came up on the chat was, when do you cut somebody loose? Jay is a lot more patient than I am. If after two or three meetings, it's not going anywhere, I'm ready to move on. Uh, I live in a pretty large city, so I've got a big pond to fish in. 
So I don't have to spend a lot of time. If it's not a good fit, if they're not feeling it, if I'm not feeling it, that's okay. Too many people get sidetracked on that and they think they've got somebody locked up and then nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. Six months, nine months, 12 months down the road and, and they never either fish or cut bait. And so I just as soon say, you know what? If this is not a good feeling, just give me, give me a firm no. I can live with that. That's okay. I don't fit for everybody. I'm not a good match for everybody. Jay's a lot more tactical and a lot more disciplined about sticking, sticking, that's the army in him, sticking to it for a longer period of time. I'm old now, I'm near the end of my life, and so I've got to be, I've got to be a lot faster on, on turning those over and making, uh, making better decisions or making, uh, get, cutting them loose faster. But Jay can be more patient with them on the long run. So I'm, I'm not, about you know, that. I'm not necessarily meeting with them. I mean, it's like sending a book, making a phone call, leaving a message, sending an email. Um, lately, because Matterport's gotten so big because of the virtual walkthroughs and whatnot, I have sent out a link to our couple of our Matterports just letting people know. In fact, to my entire database, we sent out a bomb bomb video to my entire database saying, hey, here's one of the changes we're implementing. Now, we used to do this on our high-end luxury homes. Now we're doing on every single home, tech out this Matterport link. It's what we've changed in our business because of this. And it's just it's just that constant, just over and over and over and over and over again. And it's just get to a matter of time. It's either they're going to unsubscribe, they're going to give me a restraining order, or they're going to give me business. Yeah, Rick. There was a tactic that we had years and years ago, and that was find the need, fill the need, ask for the order. And it's been so long since I'd heard that. It's kind of just ingrained in me, but I had not heard anybody in the course say that for years. And it was so funny that Rick pulled that back out uh, and dusted it off. But that's, I mean, he's done it intuitively for the longest time, and we've all done it uh, if we've been part of the core for any length of time. But that's that's the whole purpose what, not what they want, but what they, what do they need? What do you need from this event? What do you need in the way of coaching? What do you need with your money or your relationships or your database or building your team? What do you need? Not what do you want? Oh, I want to sell this or I want to do that. What do you need to make it happen? If you can fill somebody's need, then you're off to the races. And so, and I think that's where Jay's done a fantastic job. And that's why we want to talk a little bit about lead conversion and how he does that, because that's been that was the, the, the bread and butter of this of this class is the, the generation part and then the lead conversion part. I want to answer one more question while it popped up, and then I'm going to uh, give Jay a chance to catch his breath, and then we'll talk about lead conversion. And that is, what organizations do you join? Uh, I Years ago, I joined the Association of Certified Financial Planners, biggest bunch of stiffs you've ever seen in your life. But they are a great constituency for me. I also go to an estate planner's lunch once a month. They meet nine or ten times a year. Uh, a bunch of bank trust officers, some attorneys, and people like that. And there's a little bit of overlap between the two organizations, uh, but they are two different and distinct organizations. But for the most part, uh, in, in, I don't know, the six or eight years that I've been involved in those organizations, I'm the only realtor in the room. I've been invited to be a speaker uh, a couple times, so every year I get to speak before the financial planners which is instant credibility. Public speaking is the number one way to establish, establish credibility. Being published as a writer is the second best way to establish credibility. So getting in front of that group as a speaker and presenting kind of a chamber of commerce 
talk about San Antonio, what's going on, job growth, in migration, housing starts, things like that. I just kind of brief them over what's happening in San Antonio, give them a little perspective, uh, having lived here all my life. And, and it's amazing how that just creates those opportunities for you. So Association of Certified Financial Planners and an Estate Planners Council. If you're in a large enough metropolitan area that has those organizations, they're really great to get involved in. Spend a little time and fest into when we can start going back to lunch again and you'll, you'll, you'll network with that group really quickly and it works out. And it, in my mind, beats the daylights out of Rotary or some other organizations. That's my personal opinion. Jay, you want to talk a little bit about lead conversion and some of your tactics around that? So uh, the biggest thing for me is in lead conversion is one tracking your leads. Um, I never tracked my leads before the core, so the lead tracker became super powerful. Um, I was one of those agents that would have them on scratches of paper, post-it notes, um, the back of other files. I can't tell you how many times I've opened up a listing file before the core, and I'd find a, a lead I wrote down on the back of a listing agreement because I happened to take the call when I was leaving a listing appointment, and now couple of weeks have gone back by and I, I obviously missed that. So first and foremost is the lead tracker itself. Uh, that's, that's the number one, that's the number one tool for me for conversion is tracking it and what you focus on, what you pay attention to grows. Um, I also like to, you know, I like to track my listing appointments. To me, listing appointments are my bread and butter. So I track my listing appointments to the point where, like, I can tell you, I can tell you, because I've got to keep my listing appointments right on me right here. I've been on a 100 listing appointments as of uh, Tuesday night was uh, my 100th listing appointment for this year. I've lost two, two other realtors. I've signed 63 of them. The other ones have, are undecided. So here's my conversion when it comes to listing appointments and what I do. I'm touching base with them. So... I'm doing an honor call whether I get the appointment or not. I'm doing a handwritten thank you card. It, that goes, that usually will either be sent the morning of the appointment or it'll be sent the morning of the next day, you know, making sure that I went on the appointment because some, you know, I had it happen where appointment canceled on the way and then they got a thank you card that next day and then we never attended the appointment. But so, so that, that call, I do call, like one of the things I wrote down from Rick's talk earlier today, is about, you know, calling the night before an appointment. I do call before the appointment. So typically our appointments are set up two, three days out. So I'll just call, I'll just call ahead of time. Say, hey, it looks like, it looks like you're on my calendar for Thursday. I just want to make sure there's anything you're looking for me to bring. So I'm, at this point, I'm really looking for a need. And so I'm, so I'm kind of doing some of those preliminary questions, what their need is. And then, and then from there, if I don't sign the listing appointment at that night, I am doing a series of contacts with them a couple times every two to three days where I'm reaching out to them. I'll send a Matterport link. I'll send, you know, I'll send out one of our, one of our recent just sold cards. I'll send them out a current letter of the heart. I'll send them out a video. I'll send them out a, maybe a testimonial from another person. I have most of my testimonials on postcards. And when I order them, I order them in usually like 5,000 at a time. 
And so if I'm out there and I know I'm meeting with a doctor, what I'll do is if I didn't sign that listing four or five days after I leave that appointment, I'll check my little, I'll check my little listing sheet and I'll be like, I haven't signed that one yet and I haven't contacted them in two days now. I'll drop a postcard of a testimonial in the mail. So again, it comes down to, it comes down to follow up, phone calls, mail, email, videos, bomb bombs. I'm just following up more often than most people are. Most people go on that appointment and if they don't have a reason to come back, they, they're afraid to call. They're afraid to make that call and, and they just assume they didn't get the listing. Um, I will make the call. I just, and just the last one I've, the last one I lost, I've called and asked them why I lost it. So interesting enough, the only, the two, I've lost two listings to other agents. One of them was a virtual listing. So they took me out of my element. They wanted the pre-listing packet virtual. They wanted me to view the house virtually. They had me do the listing virtually. I was completely out of my element. Um, I'm still, as Jim says, I love to hate to lose. Um, I'm irritated I lost that one. I mean, I could sit back and say, well, it wasn't my plan. It, it, they took me out of my element. I could say, well, they're probably a little bit off because they wanted to do everything virtually. I'm not like that. But the same token, I lost that listing. And and every time, well, I shouldn't say I lost it. I never had it. But every time I get beat, I get better. And that's what really, really gets me for, for lead conversion. I get beat, I get better. So if you're going to beat me quite a bit, if you're in my marketplace and you're a competitor, if you beat me a bunch of times, I'm thrilled because I'm going to get better. And for me, the lead conversion comes all to follow-up. And I've got signs up in my office that says follow-up is in, fortune is in the follow-up. And I got the percentages. 80% of sales are made after the fifth contact. It's all about the follow-up. Yeah. Jay, talk about the tactics. So that that lead conversion starts at the initial contact, whether it's yourself or your transact RP1 that sets up that appointment for you. So you've got a great interview that goes out initially, an excellent, really clean pre-listing package that can go electronically or a hard copy if necessary. So talk a little bit about those specific things that happen, and then you show up on time, professional, prepared, I mean, that's all part of the lead conversion process. Yeah, so I'll talk about the initial. So initially we have a form. We have a form at the office, uh, intake form. So anybody can intake the call, and there's some basic questions on there, pre-listing questions. Not a lot, just enough to get, you know, some information. So that, I think, is professional because most people are just setting up the appointment. Um, another part about it is my staff, myself, were trained to close with the alternative close. You know, Jay can meet you Tuesday night or Thursday night. You know, so they're kind of scheduling, getting my schedule there. That's professional. You know, if, if an agent says, well, I'm open all day tomorrow, that just tells them that you don't have anything else going on. So you have to set the tone. We send a, we do send a little gift pre, pre-appointment. Usually it is a, um, a gift card that just says, hey, we think, we say thanks a latte. And we send a coffee card. For setting up the appointment, we send the pre-listing packet. So that comes out. 
either I or my staff will make sure to confirm the appointment the night before. It's usually me. The day, the day of, it's usually my staff, again, showing the professional. That pre-listing packet, we give them a one-page sheet that tells them to have their key out, you know, have their key out. So, and so a lot of it's mindset. So when I show up at the listing, if their key is sitting out on the kitchen table, my presentation changes. It's about half as long. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's gold. Cool. When you walk in and you see the keys are laying there, the surveys laying there, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens with a great interview, a triangle for trust on the initial contact. How did you get our name? Wow, how do you know June? Oh, my God, we love June. She's a fantastic referral partner for us. We'll always take care of anybody that she sends to us. What did she tell you about us? Close for that appointment. And so if you are in a competitive situation, how many ways have you differentiated yourself from the competition? You've got a great pre-listing package. You've got a tremendous interview that's thorough and comprehensive. You've done a triangle for trust. You've already sent a pre-listing gift. Uh, Jay makes a phone call before he comes out there. Hey, I see you're on my calendar tomorrow night. Really looking forward to meeting you. Uh, is there anything we missed prior to me coming out there? Anything you want me to be prepared for? A gift that shows up in advance. I mean, he's just blown everybody else away. If, if there is a competitive situation, his conversion is so much greater. And, and when we were going over this class, and you told me what your stats were year to date, I'm embarrassed to say I could not tell you that. I, there's no way I could recite your numbers that well, uh, either as a percentage or just the actual numbers. That was very impressive that you that you own it that well. Yeah, not only do I own it, that, I mean, long, as long as my, my blue beast, my lead tracker, my greatness tracker, and every listing appointment I've gone on since the first year is in front of me, Every day. Those are the stuff I even take home with me. They're in front of me every day. And, and, and for me, it's again, it's being focused. So I can look at any given time and I can go, man, I haven't touched base with this one. I haven't touched base with this one. And then, and then after that, it's about getting creative, you know, getting creative, sending a, sending them a link to Matterport, sending a video of your team. Um, we had a movie event scheduled during this COVID-19 and, and, you know, we had to cancel it. So what we did is we created movie baskets. And here's what I told my team. I said, we're going to start with all the people that we did a listing appointment. They're going to get a basket first. My team's like, well, the movie event was really for our past clients. And I go, I understand. Movie basket to all the listing appointments first. (laughs) Then our VIP second. And then our top 50. And then we'll go to our database until we run out. But a lot of, I mean, a lot of the listings that we had went on appointment that got one of this little movie basket, I mean, they were blown away that they're on our list already, that we're already taking care of them. We're already treating them like a past client, even though I haven't even went to work for them. Well, being that intentional before the appointment, being super dialed in, because I've seen your listing presentation about being there on time. Again, you beat your competition when they show up 15, 20 minutes late. Oh, traffic or whatever. People are so lazy. It's embarrassing sometimes. But when you show up on time, you show up like a pro, you give a really comprehensive listing presentation, you close for the business. And then if they're not ready or something else is going on in their life or they're just not paying attention, but then you're fine. You don't just throw it in a pile. You're very intentional about the follow up and the incubation part of the deal. Cause there are times where they're just not quite ready or something else gets in the way. And being that specific and that intentional about your your post 
post-appointment, the honor call, and then the follow-up afterwards is where you've been able to, to pick up those extra deals. And, and Dayton, a couple of people asked about the movie basket. I'll, I'll run down the movie basket real quickly, and then I'm going to tell you the biggest thing our team has decided since the movie basket. So here's the movie basket. Everything in the basket, we got less. It's less than nine dollars. We bought everything at the dollar store. It's basically a popcorn. We had there's plastic ones or a popcorn bucket, a popcorn plastic holder, movie candy. That's important. Movie candy, like in the boxes, individually wrapped. Because if you just stick candy in there, it's not as effective. We put popcorn flavoring in there. We put cotton candy in there. We put um, two pop cans of mini bottles are really, really cute. We put two little mini bottles in there, one Sprite, one Coke, just in case they, um, you know, which, uh, we have a preference on pop. Trying to think well, so licorice, definitely had to have licorice in there. Right. We had we had good and plenty. I'm trying to think what else is in there. But everything we got was less than $9 a box from um, the dollar store. We had to go to five different dollar stores to get enough, but it was from the dollar store. Uh, several of my students did this. I'm telling you, the responses we got were blown away, and here's what we're doing going forward. I don't know if the responses we got were blown, I mean, just out-of-the-world responses we got. I don't know if it was because of COVID-19, because people are tied up. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But as a group, here's what we decided. We will be doing a gift box every quarter to our entire database, a gift box, a theme. So we're going to do a theme one. We're going to continue to do the movie one. We're going to continue. Then we're going to add like a pizza one. We're make your own pizza. We got some pizza cutters with our logo on it. So we're going to, we're trying to come up with a pizza gift box that doesn't actually have food in it. You know, maybe a gift certificate to Domino's. Something. We're trying to figure that out. Um, we're going to probably do a grilling one. We talked about a grilling one now when the season comes up. And then we've talked about, because we get ice and snow still, we talk about like a winter survival kit, like scrapers. we got scrapers with our logo on it, maybe some windshield washer fluid, maybe some hand warmers, maybe a couple of, you know, a couple of our little J. Fletch, you know, stocking caps. But we're going to do this gift basket every single time because the people, the responses we got were unbelievable. And we had people literally saying, you know, we're not thinking about selling right now, but when we do, you're our agent. And some of those were people that we are, that are not our clients. Okay. So that's good. I want to, we're going to do a couple more minutes on the buyer follow up. And, and Jay, I don't know if this is your form or yes, that is. On, on page 31. How do you, yes. use, how do you use that form with your buyer agents and hold them accountable? That's where a lot of people struggle. They do spend a fortune on generating leads, which is not what we coach or not what we advocate. However, it happens. And, and so, but then the leads just get cherry picked or they get ignored. And so let's talk about the accountability and the follow up for buyer agents and you and the use of this form, which I think is gold, uh, on that. So every one of my forms for follow up when I'm chasing a whale, when I'm going after listings, I have something like this for everyone where I create a touch system. So I don't do a ton of buyers. I might do 20 transactions a year in buyers. The rest of my stuff, I'm so focused on, on, on the listings. But I wanted something to track that they were doing it. And so that's what we came up with this. The buyer consult, the buyer consultation, I do that appointment. 
and I'm, I start the appointment, I get the questions, I introduce them, I step out and walk out, and I let someone else finish the appointment. The mobile app, a lot of these things they're doing. The ones in, in my form, I have the highlighted the ones I have to do. So at our team meeting, I look at their buyer tracking sheet, and I look to see where they're at. So some of these phone calls are the phone calls from me, like the receive the review the survey. That's from me. The after the close follow-up call, that's from me, regardless if I worked with the buyer or not. So there's about four to five touches I'm doing on this. So it's a buyer you've never met. One of your agents is working with them this entire time, but you still swing by. You're the restaurant owner that swings by and checks in and says, how, how are they taking care of you? Thank you very much for being here, and so on. And you know what I've learned? Here's what I've learned. It's easier for me to ask for a referral for them than it is for me to ask for a referral for myself. So I literally can call up and say, I can call up and say, hey, John Doe, I know you're working with Dayton. Is Dayton taking really great care of you? Yeah, he is. Okay, awesome. Yeah, he's one of the best. That's why I have him working with you. By the way, do you know anybody else that we can have put in the process to start working with Dayton? I mean, it's just, it's an easy phone call. But then the other thing too is I always give them my personal cell phone. And, and, and it's just, it's like, it's like you go to a restaurant. My favorite restaurant in town is a place called Agave Kitchen. The owner of the restaurant will typically follow up with me within a week after I go there. Now, I think he's kind of a stalker because he sits at home and watches video cameras all the time and knows who comes in and out. But how often does the owner follow up? And that's what's great about this is, I'll literally call up John Doe and I'll say, you know, Dayton's my best guy. But if anything comes up, if, if Dayton drops the ball, here's my personal cell phone number, 715, and I give them my cell phone number. They never call. Even when they're upset, they never call. But the fact that they know I'm overlooking it and I'm always here, it establishes me to that lead. And I'll do the same thing. I will text my phone number to a client and say, here's, you got me on speed dial if you need me, but Raul or Bruce or somebody's taking great care. And the greatest compliment that you can pay, if they really are taking great care, the greatest compliment that you can give them is to refer them somebody else. So a lot of us struggle with asking for ourselves, you know, who do you know? Who do you know? Can you give me a deal? Can you give me a deal? That's just so, just, it's, it's so hard for us to do. But if it is, I'm looking for work or can you, can you help out this other, if I can help you help somebody else. And and so take care of my buyer's agent, take care of my transaction coordinator, that sort of thing. It's a little bit easier ask for a lot of us that struggle with that, and, and it accomplishes the same thing. So that's that's a great form, Jay. That is absolute gold. Thank you very much for sharing that with everybody. And I, right, I think so, our, our form today has probably got a couple more touches now. I mean, we're right. constantly changing these, um, you know, constantly changing them. But if if you're handing your buyer off, you still need to make at least four calls to that buyer, even if you're handing it off. And it definitely should be when you get the lead, after some type of celebration, like after the inspection, after the appraisal, after they get the house, then it should be, you should be the one going over their statement with them. I know the lender does. I like to go over the money with them before closing, even if it's, even if they haven't been working with me. I think that's critical. And then I'm the one that calls and thanks them a week after or so. The buyer's agent does as well. So they're getting two thank yous within 30 days. Right. If you say my name's on the door and I'm the one that signs the checks, yep. that, that, that's very impactful. 
All right. So great job, Jay. Let's, let's run through these questions as quick as we can. So Michelle asked about builders. I lost a builder once that insisted on exclusivity and I couldn't promise them that I would be exclusive. I worked with a bunch of other builders at the time. I since got them back and then lost them again. That's the way it goes. So, but they use the same concrete guys. They use the same framers. They use the same lumber people. If they insist on exclusivity, you just got to make a business decision. Can they send you enough business to make that worth your while or are you not going to do that? And you got to look them in the eye and tell them the truth. No, yes, I can or no, I can't. Um, to uh, on-site reps that ask for a reciprocity, uh, again, uh, their, their framer doesn't bring them any buyers. Their title company doesn't bring them any buyers. Their mortgage company doesn't bring them any buyers. If that's their expectation or a condition of doing business with them, I think they're mistaken. And so, uh, but again, you've got to be able to set that, that expectation. Um, how far will I go? San Antonio, we'll drive 45 minutes to an hour in every direction. We're a big, sprawling metropolitan area. So I've got, uh, uh, end to end, probably, uh, 45 minute to an hour drive, uh, sometimes depending on traffic and things like that. And Dayton, I think you make a valid point there about how far you should go. I, I really truly believe this with builders, builder reps, even your, your business, who you want to work with. You should put some bumpers of what your ideal client is. I've learned that when we started going 45, 50 minutes out, even for a listing appointment, I've learned that it actually cost us business. Because we could focus on one or two more people closer by than going out. So I, and I don't like to say no ever. So yeah. I've got a staff member now that literally we got a, we got a listing appointment. It's about an hour and 15 minutes out. It's like 520,000 and I'm literally ready to go out the door. And my staff stepped in and said, nope, that one doesn't fit our criteria. You refer that one out. And I'm like, but it's a, it's 500,000. They're like, this is our criteria. We set as a team. You refer that one out. And, and that's the best thing to do. That's extraordinary discipline. That's really hard to do. Coming from no. greedy, selfish, insecure, yeah. uh, I've always got room for one more. I'll always find a way to wedge another one. Then Rick has just hammered us over and over again about setting your table for the right number. And that's what your business is built for. And you don't start putting, you don't start cramming extra tables into your restaurant. That's the metaphor that he keeps using. And it's really, really hard to turn down business. And so to be able to say no or we're full right now or raise your prices to the point where you run a couple of people off, I mean, that's a great spot to be in. It is easier said than done. And so anyway, but good good for you for, for sticking to your discipline and your core philosophy. That's huge. Well, it's good for your it's, – it's, it, I'm not going to take any – compliment on that because it's my team and I battle my team on it. But you, the, once you realize that your team is there to people equal profits, they're there to insulate you. And, and the more, the better they insulate you, the better you can do your job. Okay. Jay, next question was about events. Do you do them in the same place over and over again, or do you bounce them around a little bit to fit different constituencies? So we do our, we do our events in the same place. Um, we do six major events. I like to have an event. Um, one of the things I found out that's really easy to make a phone call. It's super easy to make a phone call when you're inviting them to something. And one of the, again, mindset to me is if I got to call somebody and ask for money, like if they owe me money, I hate making that phone call. But if I'm calling somebody to say, Hey, guess what? You want a thousand dollars? I love making that phone call. 
So I'm always having events. So we do our big ones are kind of like we do an Easter event that's usually at a movie theater where we have meet and greet with the Easter Bunny. We do do a barbecue cornhole event. Um, I've had a couple students attend that because sometimes we're on site visit. We do breakfast with Santa Claus, t- uh, ten, 10 chairs at a table. One chair is always empty for either myself or Santa Claus to rotate through the room. Um, we do a boat event. You know, we rent one of those paddle boats on three. So we do, we do six events that are mandatory, always the same place, same concept. The biggest thing, the biggest tip I can give you events for us, keep a notebook on your event. The download meeting on these summits, the reason why the next summit's the best summit, because Rick spends so much time in download meeting going over all the details, making it better. And we start that Saturday morning for the next summit. On our events, we have a notebook for every event. We do a download meeting after the event the next day to make our event better the next time. That's just part of part of the process, and we've done that from day one. And so uh, next question was, uh, again, with builders on, uh, it was more about exclusivity. Let me think, what was the next one? Oh, uh, back and forth on builders. I one one time Dayton was coaching me. I was I was actually repping the homes of seven builders. Then I went to no builders and I was working with the reps. Now I'm working with one builder and the builder matches every integrity level I do. I have full access to their entire database. They have not mailed or done an event. They've been building homes for 54 years, 60 to 100 homes each year. They've never mailed their database or done an event for their database. I've been working with them now for two years, and I do two events just for them. To get their repeat and referral business back to them, that's a great that's a great setup. The question was, uh, uh, Jay, a listing appointment, one one time or two time? Do you, do you walk out of there empty-handed or no? I'm one time the vast majority of the time. Um, that, was one, yep. that was one of the first lessons I learned from the core. Kathy Courtney, who was one of the one of the founders with Rick, uh, hammered me. She would look at my lead tracker and say, you went on all these appointments, but you didn't close. How did you do that? How did you not do that? And I, well, they weren't ready. Well, we couldn't come up with a price. You know, I, I had all kinds of excuses, just one after another. I had them all, I had them all on index cards. And she just shredded me and said, don't you ever go out of a listing appointment again without some sort of commitment? Cause here's what happens. They start talking to their friends. They say, oh my, you gotta call my buddy. Oh, they'll do it for less. They'll price it more. They underprice your house. He said, you walk out of there, you get something signed. And from then on, I went from that. I started talking transaction fee. We started changing the way we did business. And that was one of the big leaps that I took economically was making sure that I wasn't going back for a second listing appointment. If they weren't ready for a date, we left the date blank. If we, we couldn't agree on the price, we left the price blank. But I wanted them to say, yeah, I signed something with that realtor last night. And so I wanted them committed to me and sticking with me. You do that, you get that commitment, you give them the honor call on your way home that evening, which we talked about briefly, and then you follow up again with great staff follow up in the morning from the team. Hey, Jay got the Jay, you know, Jay said your house is gorgeous. He said he was so excited to meet you. Uh, I'm going to send the stage around. If you, those are all systems and processes that will help your lead conversion dramatically. Who's had that call? By a show of hands, who's had that call? 
the next day, yeah, I know we agreed to 300, but we thought about it. We want to go to 320. Anybody have that one? Or I know we agreed last night to everything, but we still want to talk to a couple more agents. That honor call will prevent a lot of that from happening. You made a great decision. I'm going to take excellent care of you. I know you had a lot of choices. I am really thrilled that you took, that you selected me out of 12,000 realtors in San Antonio. I'm very flattered. Myself and my team, we're going to take great care of you. That's giving them honor. Your house is beautiful. I love meeting your family. I promise you we're going to take great care of you. You were referred to me by Jay Fletch, and I'm never going to do anything to disappoint Jay. He's one of my best referral partners. You anchor that referral, that triangle for trust again, and you give them that honor call. And and it will drastically reduce the number of callbacks you get the next day who say, well, we thought about it, we slept on it, we changed our mind, and whatever. So that's how you increase your lead conversion. Yeah, and, and two, one of the reasons, that's something I do track, whether or not I signed it right away, because here's what I know. Every day that goes by after I've left that listing appointment, my, my, even though I'm, even though I'm working like, as I'm working as hard as I can to continue to follow up and continue to tr- touch them, here's what I know. Every day that goes by, my chances of getting that listing dramatically decreases. Oh yeah. And, and so it's just like, so one thing I learned, you know, and, and the one step, was one of the things I got, you know, from Dayton on his listing class five years ago. I remember taking that class. It was Dayton and Marjorie. And, and one thing that really stuck out to me is for listings, for, I think for any lead generation, it comes down to like this. You have to work like a farmer. Like you have to plant seeds every day like a farmer. And you have to have faith that you're going to have a harvest someday. And the problem with your seeds is sometimes they're going to be on rocky soil. Sometimes it's going to be too hot out and they'll burn the sea up. Sometimes you won't get any rain or you'll get too much rain. Sometimes the birds will scoop in and eat your seed. But you have to go to work every day like a farmer. And then here's the creeper part. you got to pull the trigger when it's time. So you can work like a farmer really well, but if you're not killing like a hunter, you're you're starving. So you work like a farmer, you kill like a hunter. You do it every day. Work like a farmer, kill like a hunter. That's the bottom line for me. Uh, so, Mike, will you hold up that, that sample basket again, please? Show everybody what's in the movie basket. That was a great visual. Thank you for, for co-teaching with us. There you go. Anything thematic is good. Don't overthink it. Just do something fun. All right? Oh, I love the chalk. Yeah. There we go. Wow. Nice help. So the next question was what important questions to ask on the pre-listing. And I obviously want to get all the information about the house. I want to make sure I don't walk into a one-story uh, one story listing with a two-story market analysis. I want to know what their expectations are. I want to know how they were referred to us, what their time frame is. So we're qualifying them to see how um, uh, are they going to fall in line or is it going to be is it going to be a little more adversarial. So I'm looking to see if we've got control of the situation and if they're gonna if they're gonna follow us or we're gonna have a, a little bit of friction. Jay, what are you looking for in that initial contact, initial conversation yeah, def- on, on the definitely, um definitely features about the help. So I know what I'm walking in. I'm also looking for and, and we've got notes section, I'm also looking for the words they use. 
Like, did they use the word hear? Did they use the word see? I'm trying to relate. I'm trying to find ways to relate to them and develop rapport very quickly. I'm also having my team. I spent a lot of time training my team on the disc profile, and I'm trying to have my team tell me what their disc profile is because I know if they're going to be a C, I have to bring more stats and more data, and I probably should have the average market time for their their price point, their home, versus just the average market time for the metro area. So those are some other things we're looking at. How can I relate to them? And 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 I want to relate to them. I want to develop rapport to them. And I think some of the most powerful words you can use during a listing presentation is me too. Find something and say me too. Like they also like if, I mean if they if they've got a boat on the St. Croix River, it's easy for me to relate to them. I'm like, yeah, me too. Where do you keep yours? So Get get in line with them. Get in line with them emotionally. Get in line with them values wise to the best of your ability. Uh, Jay, what do you do on a what? What's what? Give me a couple of examples of a pre-listing gift or a listing gift after you got it. What do you What do you do for them? So I, I like um, I like coffee gift cards. Um, some of the big companies you can actually buy the coffee gift card with your logo on it. So I like buying Starbucks cards with my logo on it. And so that usually goes out. Before the appointment, just says thanks a lot, Dave, for taking some time all your day and investing in me. And to me, to me, I just I'm very appreciative of the time. I'm very appreciative of the opportunity, even if I don't get it. So that one, that's usually our, our one that goes out all the time. When they sign the listing appointment, um, and I believe I got this from Kay, brownies. When they sign the listing appointment, we send them brownies, and that's just a company we pay for. I don't know what the company is. I do know what it costs. It's like $13 because I see them pop up on my credit card all the time. It's like $13.98. Um, but brownies is a big one that after they sign the listing appointment. And then my, my one of my RP1s package their contract up. So I tell them they're going to get a copy of their contract electronically within 24 hours, and they're going to get a copy of their their contract hard copy within three days. In the hard copy, we send them a gift certificate for some ice cream, and we send them some movie passes. Now we'll see what we're going to do after we come out of this. And basically it was, hey, enjoy the show. This treat's on us. We're going to take really good care of you, something along that line. But those are our, those are ones that we typically do. Hey, Jay, it's Kat here. we got about four minutes left. So so we want to wrap this up real quick. So first of all, you're gonna, a score is going to pop up or a survey is going to pop up on how we did. We would really appreciate uh, your feedback on that. Uh, second, if you have been watching the chat box, you can see how collaborative this community is. If you're new to the core, if it's your first summit, thank you very much for for jumping in and, and taking a leap of faith and coming on this with us. Uh, we're really honored and thrilled. And you can see how willing other people are to help you grow and build your business and make it happen. So, if uh, there's anything else you need, you can scan the barcode for all the forms. You can call concierge. You can call one of the coaches. We're here to help you, help you prosper and succeed. If you're interested in coming on this journey with us, we would be honored and thrilled to have you as a part of our community. We've had some tremendous results. We've helped people, and myself included. I've come a long way from uh, where I was when I started this organization and it has changed my life. So I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Jay, it's been a blast. Thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to coach with you or be on this call with you. 
I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the week. Guys, we're going to bust our tails to make it happen. If there's anything else you need, please don't hesitate to uh, let us know. We'll make it happen for you. And, again, thank you very much for your time and attention. I think we have the next class starts in five minutes, 15 minutes. Pardon me. 15, we got a, got a 15 minute break. Check your voicemail, check your email, and then jump back on the next call in 15 minutes. We'll look forward to seeing you all then. Thank you very, very much. Jay, last words? Yeah, and just know any of the forms we talked about, any things we talked about there, just reach out to the concierge and we'll make sure you get those. Also in your workbook, there is the QR code scan that you can pull a lot of it up. Guys, thank you all very much. Kat, thanks for monitoring for us. You bet. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Y'all take care. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.